Welcome to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell. Every time I come to you, I pray that it will be encouraging and that I'll be able to and my guests will be able to encourage you to take God at his word and apply your faith to your everyday life. It's tough to apply his word if you are not in his word. So my question for you today is, what is keeping you from reading God's word? What is keeping you from knowing him and applying what you read? Maybe it's the busyness of life, or maybe it's what we are going to talk about today, social media. I want to confess, I love aspects of social media. I'm likely the worst person for it because I'm not often social on social media. I don't engage much, but I love to look at posts and I I do post quite a bit, but I, I'm a terrible social media person in that regard. Um, to, but today's guest understands the Bible very well and he understands social media. So I believe he'll help us figure out what to do when social media becomes a huge part of our life if it's not already. Chris Martin is editor of BibleToLife.com and a content editor at Moody Publishers. He is the author of two books, The Wolf in Their Pockets and Terms of Service. He lives outside of Nashville, Tennessee with his family. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Julia. Yes. Well, Chris and I are also friends. We go back for a long time now. I don't even know how long, but it feels like at least eight years, 10 years, for a long time, eight years at least. And and that could be an exaggeration, but it's long. And I I know that you have you have helped people with social media. Now you've written about social media, and it's it's been a part of your your working life, not necessarily as much personal. Am I right? You mean in terms of it not being part of my personal life as much? Well, that's maybe not true. Of course, it's a part of your personal life. But what I guess I mean is this is it's so much a part of your professional life, but I don't see you like posting constantly. So my my question. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not something that's captured you like I think a lot of people. So how has social media come to dominate um, the role the Internet plays in our life? Yeah, you know, I think um, I just recently wrote an article through my newsletter uh, about the top 10 most trafficked websites in the world. And I think something like seven of the top 10 are social media platforms of some kind. And I think it really right. just comes down to when you have a bunch of computers around the world connected to each other, one of the most common ways people are going to use that kind of technology, the internet, is to connect with other people. We like connecting yeah. with other people even more than we like shopping, even more than we like watching TV shows. We like connecting with other people. And I think inherently at the heart of that is we're social people. We want intimacy with other people, even if social media only gives us a sort of facsimile of that. And and we want relationship with other hmm. people. And I think when we are given, you know, when the arguably one of the most advanced technologies in the history of the human race, at least regarding communication, is kind of plopped into our laps or, or our pockets more literally, I suppose. We're going to use that to connect with other people. And obviously, and I've written a couple books on this now, there are plenty of ways that that deforms our ability to form relationship with other people. Yeah. But I think one of the unfortunate things is we just kind of ignore that as we you know, as we continue to consume this sort of cotton candy intimacy that social media kind of can offer us. 
Mm. You know, I, when you were talking, I wrote down intimacy deforms. That's that's actually a scary thought to me that that we can we do we need intimacy. We need relationships. And so it's an interesting thing that we can go to something like social media and, and maybe think that we're we're really engaging with people or that we're we're involved on a deeper level than we are. So what can be some of the dangers of that when we when we think that there's a there's kind of a false intimacy or false knowing of someone? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the chief dangers, and let me say this before I go much further, because I know some people may just tune me out as soon as I start uh, attacking their sacred cow of social media or something like that. I don't think social media is all bad. And I want to be very clear about that up front. Um, that, you know, I, I think social media can be used for good. I think that social media can be a tremendous way to maintain relationships with people that we have offline relationships with. I have a number of friends around the country and even the world uh, that I've had in person, you know, incarnational relationship with. And social media is a great tool to maintain those relationships. I do, however, kind of fear how social media has come to create sort of what are called parasocial relationships or these, these, like I said, facsimile of intimacy where it feels like we have a deep relationship with someone, but really we don't. That person can't show up and let us cry on their shoulder, cry on their shoulder right. when something terrible has happened. They're not going to drop a meal off when we have a newborn child or, or something like that. There's a certain, there's a ceiling, a sort of glass ceiling, if you will, to the level of intimacy that relationships that are primarily online uh, can allow us to engage with. And I think my what, one of my biggest concerns about that is less about sort of the fruit and more about what it reveals about our own heart. I think what a lot of us either forget or never really understand about relationships is relationships are costly, like good, intimate, loving relationships with whether it's friends or loved ones or whatever else. They need to be sacrificial, I, I think, especially yes. if you're a Christian, you know, listening and think we, we need to be we need to feel a sort of not burdens, maybe too strong of a word, but a sort of cost, a sort of, um, you know, we should, we should and be like, yeah, I'm going to come help you move even exactly. Like I'm going to come help you move, even though I hate moving or, you know, things like that. And I think yeah. what social media can do and the way it can deform our understanding of relationship and friendship and intimacy on a broader level is it can, it can create a situation in which we view relationship as having no cost because no one, who follows me on Twitter or follows me on Instagram is going to ask me to come halfway across the country and serve them in some way. And so we, we sort of have these relationships that allow us to consume from one another, but not really mm. cultivate deep sacrificial love for each other in the way that incarnational in-person offline relationships do. And, and I think it's not necessarily bad to have both, but I think we all really only have a certain capacity for maintaining relationships. And what right. I do fear is that we create and maintain so many online relationships that just for a manner of time, for you know, just because we don't have that much time in our day, they really stu they, you know, we end up chatting with someone through Facebook Messenger that's halfway across the country and doing that in place of having coffee with a friend at church. And, and that's where mm. I really do start to get a bit concerned. Uh, that's actually really good and a good caution because we also don't have the inner, not only time, but energy. I mean, the energy output for many of us is limited. <laughs> so if you're on social media for hours and hours and hours, then, you know, needing to serve your family or wanting to 
needing to go to church. It's going to, you're going to be depleted. And so I, I think that's really important. And I, I do think that we forget the responsibility in relationships. Um, I think sometimes I, I know without a doubt, as a speaker, some, one of the things that I've experienced also is that I'll go to a church and someone will come up to me. And because I'm a stranger, they're going to tell me all the things. They're going to tell me everything about their lives because I, there's no responsibility or cost there because I'm yep. leaving. And so I, I can, I see, I, and, and so I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I have to redirect them to their, to a pastor or to their women's ministry leader or someone else, because I'm not, I can't be responsible for them. And I know I can't follow up. I don't have the bandwidth or which is archaic to say, but I don't have, yeah, I don't, I can't do it. I'm limited as a human. Even if I love that person, I'm as I should to love my neighbor, I'm limited. And so, so one of the things I, you wrote, Wolf in their pocket, which I'm sorry if I just said that wrong, but um, for the wolf in their pocket, for pastors, am I correct? For leaders. And yeah, ahead. yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> well, for, for pastors, like par- pastors, parents, right, like community group leaders, really anyone who sees them. So, I mean, hopefully this is a lot of us Christians, but really the wolf in their pockets is for anyone who's like actively discipling someone who who thinks the people or person they're discipling is being discipled by social media. Yes. Okay. And one of the things that if, if I were to, I wish, well, I'm going to do it now. One of the things I would say is that there are a lot of pastors and leaders who I wish would pull back a little because they are, um, they're discipling the internet to be discipled by the internet. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? And so there's there's a little bit of that I think with some of our leaders also. There's is is a um people people are are running to uh these these leaders who are maybe and 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 let me let me correct one thing. It's okay to share truth. At, we need to share truth. I'm not saying that we need to, but there is an aspect of um discipling the internet that can be um, hard as well. Do you see that, or am I just losing my mind? I totally see that, and and I <laughs> okay. I want to be very I I I like you. Am careful. I don't want to judge like pastors' yes. motives that I see on social media. However, if I'm if I have permission to spitball here, I have seen so many pastors or church leaders, but particularly like vocational pastors who have it in their Twitter bio or whatever else who just because of the sheer amount of time they spend tweeting in a given day or week must be as interested in discipling their Twitter followers as they are in their local church. I simply don't understand how they could be giving as much time as perhaps they should be to forming their local church. uh, When, when I look at how much they're forming their 3000 or 30,000 or 300,000 Twitter followers. And I think that goes back to kind of what I said, like, and, and you, like you experienced as a, as a speaker, like it kind of goes both ways. The, the person who wants to unload their burdens on someone else, whether it's a well-known pastor or speaker, or just another stranger on the internet, they're experiencing this sort of uh, parasocial relationship where they don't, like they can just unload because they know the other person's just going to 
sympathize and express their sympathy, but not do anything about it. And then on the on the kind of looking through the telescope from the other way, the other end, if you will, the the leader, whether it's a pastor or a well known speaker or author, kind of has yeah. this luxury of acting like you know the guru, the leader, the the person that everyone's looking up to, without actually having to like get in the mud and help these people in their yeah. daily lives. Like they can you know, post truisms and disciple without necessarily having to do the hard, dirty work of like, you know, getting backstabbed by that person or so, you know, something like that, that often happens in life church ministries. So I think, I think we all need to be wherever we're at with social media, need to be on guard about all these things. Is so good. So wise. And we want to continue to learn and to wrestle with this. And when we come back, I want us to talk about what you meant by sacred cow more soon. Welcome back to Living by Faith with Trillia Newbell. I am talking with Chris Martin about social media and our interactions with it. And at the top of the time, you you were you were sharing and you said something and I know what you mean. And you, but you said you want to be careful because social media isn't all bad. But as you were saying that, you said I don't want to basically step on someone's sacred cow. <laughs> and what that means is idle. And so I want us to think through, okay, how, why do we need to face this? As the, the reality is, is that there are a lot of us who worship social media, who don't want, who would struggle deeply if it weren't a part of our lives or for other who would think, oh, if I'm not doing this, that, or the other, then my life, my my livelihood would be ruined. And so social media has a grip on many of us. I know I can confess that it has had a grip on me um, before. I remember when my Facebook account got hacked. I couldn't believe it. But anyways, but that's, but the anxiety that, I experienced and felt not only, I mean, I did feel like kind of uh, gross, like, oh man, someone is taking over. Who, who would do that? So, so there was an aspect of that kind of grieving the the world that we live in, but there was another part that where I, I realized, oh my goodness, I, I think if I don't do this, then I'm not going to be able to, you connect with an audience or it's like my my family won't be able to connect with oh of course they will <laughs> of course they will and so i the anxiety that i felt was so deep and and real and 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 i don't i don't know if i was worshiping if it was an idol but maybe but the lord did help i had to i i had to um kind of give up that control and submit it to the Lord. But it was, it was an interesting, it was interesting to see it, it, it kind of come out of my heart, Chris. And so where, what, what do we do if, or how do we help evaluate if that's something that, um, that, that is a reality that we're struggling with idolatry? 
Yeah, I, in fact, I remember. I think I remember playing a little bit of oh, tech support for you when that yeah. whole thing happened. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I think we had a few. I, I remember receiving a frantic text message or two when that happened. And, and you did. honestly, now obviously, like uh, I don't. And uh, yeah, I think I did uh, the best I could to help you. But but I think oh you know I, you know whether or not maybe you were you were you know facing your own idolatry in that moment. I can't say. But but there is an element, you know, especially in something like that. You, it's like a much less severe, much less serious version of someone breaking and entering into your house in a way right yes I mean, like, it was you've so got personal invasive. messages with people you've got <laughs> yeah 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 totally and, and that's i think that's a fair feeling to feel yeah, i don't yeah. i don't think that necessarily means you're you're <laughs> you have an idol of it but um but i i think you you've kind of touched on something here and, and i think i yeah i use that term sacred cow and, and kind of tongue-in-cheek but kind of seriously that you know i think all of us if we're honest if we use social media at all uh, have had has social media has had a has undue had undue authority and undue uh, seat in our hearts at some point or another if not if not presently I can certainly say that look I grew up I was born in 1990 I was on MySpace when it was huge back when I was <laughs> 13 and 14 I was on Facebook when it first came to high schoolers in 20, 2006 so like I've been on this stuff forever and and throughout stages in my life I think. I, it has been an idol for me. So no, if you're listening, I'm not speaking from a position of being better than anyone because I've been there. But I think I do. I think I do right now have the healthiest relationship with it that I ever have. But I think how it can easily be an idol, maybe some ways to identify if you're wondering, I do think like, how long can you go without it is a great yes. sort of uh. litmus test. Now, now, let me be clear by saying like, I don't know that there's a right answer, right? Oh, you can go three days without it. Well, then it's not an idol. But man, if you can't go 24, you know, I don't think don't look at it. So maybe legalistically, but um, if you know, if you put a two hour time limit per day, the average American adult who uses the Internet at all uses social media for two and a half hours a day, which is a lot. You know, there's nothing we do for two and a half hours a day other than work and sleep. So two and a half hours is a lot to be doing anything in our day, let alone scrolling our favorite social media platform. So if you're using it two hours, maybe you put a time limit on your phone, like on iPhones, I know you can set a time limit for social media apps and it'll say it'll lock down your apps at a certain amount of time. And if you find yourself desperately needing to override that, you know, every time you spend two hours and you're like, oh no, I got to, man, I, I need to spend two and a half. Okay. You know, you might have a little bit of a problem when, you know, it might be That's in a spot good. where you need to loosen a grip. Um, but again, maybe, I don't know what's the right number of hours. I don't know. But I think if you find yourself trying to limit yourself and you simply can't bear it then this is where like i advocate i think in both of my books that this you know our relationship with social media is such is so invasive for so many of us it's so woven into so many whether it's business the business aspects of our professional life with yeah. linkedin or otherwise or even personally keeping up with friends on facebook messenger or instagram direct messages whatever it is it's so woven it can be really hard to untangle ourselves and so this is something I've said many times, this is not a, a path, walking the path of having a healthy relationship with social media is a path we must not walk alone. This is where having at least a spouse, if not another trusted friend, in the same way you have an accountability partner for any other manner of sin, or, or even just like reading the Bible that you may have in your life, having an accountability partner who can you know, they are, they're the ones who hold the passcode to overriding your social media time allotment each day or whatever else. Um, or, or say, you know, you can go to them and say, Hey man, I, I just really have been scrolling TikTok for like three hours every night and I'm getting bad sleep and I really need some help, you know, figuring out how to manage this time. Having someone who can 
who can hold you in check is is huge. But I think one of the first things, back to your original question, one of the first things really is um, trying to limit your time. If you're having trouble with that, you might need to be asking some deeper questions. And beyond that, like, is social media shaping your values? Like, do you oh, come to really care question. how many likes? Yeah, right. Do you, like, social media has values inherently. Like, what goes viral, the things that get a lot of retweets or shares or likes, Social media is saying these things are valuable because they are getting this kind of engagement. Well, we can get into a really unhealthy spot where, well, if social media says this video is valuable, then I, if I want to feel more valuable, should make content like that so that I can feel more valuable by getting oh, more likes on good. my content. Yeah. So we, we are, if we start to see our values, like, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard stories and seen examples of families who basically just use their kids for content where, oh, look at this funny mm. thing my kid's doing. And then, oh, they're like looking at the like, oh, that one only got 25 likes. Man, maybe they need mm. to be funnier next time. They'll pull pranks on their kids just to get likes or whatever else. And so mm. I think we all need to, wherever you're at in life, if you see your values starting to be wrapped up in how much attention you're getting on any particular social media platform, that would be another sign that, hey, Maybe I need to untangle here. Maybe I need to incorporate a friend or a spouse to help me, uh, you know, kind of unhinge, like un unlatch myself from social media and, and the grip it has on my heart. Mm, that's those are really good. So we are talking to Chris Martin about social media, and he's giving us some encouraging advice on how to find and maybe even reveal whether we have an idol of social media and the two things that you said i'm just repeating it because it was really good you said time limits check your check if you can stay off and for how long and and he he's not adding to the scriptures or adding a law but it's it's a good thing to test to see okay well where is my heart in this and this is important we want to be able to know if we are they're struggling in this area and then the second thing is um is is social media shaping your values and and Chris I I just think it's really oh man I I feel like this is confession session for Trillia but <laughs> but I I have I there is no doubt that I have I've been trying to I've I've one thing that I've been told is that I need to do reels and I'm like I don't know how to do reels can I just I know how to do a video can I just do a video am, do I need to add music to this I don't know how to do that and so I am okay with adding a video but I just don't there's so I'm so ignorant I I can't spend 20 hours trying to figure out how to do this <laughs> but that is it's sure. it's trying yeah it's like an un um, it's this, you're chasing, I feel like you, you can be chasing these things forever because it's ever evolving. There's always something new and it's hard to keep up with. I, the other day I thought to myself, you know what? I see why, especially the age, the age I am with the kid, the kid, where my kids are, um, this week I had the thought, oh, I haven't posted in like a week or two or something. And I was like, I have nothing to post. I'm too busy. <laughs> I'm running around with these kids. It's okay. And and I felt this kind of weight lifted off. Like, I can't. I literally don't have time for this. And um, not that I don't want to encourage people because I do, but there's I can't do this every single day. With that said, it's it was a it was good that I didn't like I knew my limits 
But talking about shaping our values, there is there can be a temptation to try to keep up and and it's hard. And so. Um, so, yeah, I just think this this is going to relate to so many people will, will relate to to this and to this struggle. And there's something yeah. that you yeah, if go I ahead. Can say one, of course. Yeah, if I can say one thing, just you're, you're talking about I love the point you made about how you haven't posted in a couple of weeks. He's just been too busy. And I think that's something we should all like you kind of just kind of said that and it's, if it's funny and it's true. And I think something we should all take into account is um, you can live your life without sharing your life. Right. Like, um, there, there, there's a great quote from he's a comedian. His name's Bo Burnham. And I, I think he has a lot of really good, like thoughtful material about the sort of present social media world we live in. And I can't share all of it because some of it can be kind of profane. But he makes a good yeah. point where he, he says, what is the feeling of walking through your life and not just living your life, not just living your life, but what about what does it feel like to take inventory of your life, being a viewer of your own life? living an experience and at the same time hovering behind yourself and watching you yourself live that experience you, you become nostalgic for moments that haven't even happened yet you start to plan your future in oh order to goodness. look back yeah. on it and and oh. i think like it's so easy sometimes when we're going about life to feel like we need to always be documenting always be posting and it really truly i believe can take us out of living in the moment and out of enjoying what's actually going on because we become so focused on documenting what's going on in the present so that maybe in a year when we look back at Facebook memories or whatever else, we may actually end up appreciating that present moment in the past more than we did when we were actually living it. And I think that's another area where we should really check our hearts and be present where we are and enjoy the life God has given us. Amen. You know, there's so much. I'm, I'm laughing because we've gotten to the first question. First question. <laughs> because we have a lot more when we return. Welcome back to Living by Faith with Trillia Newbell. And I am talking with Chris Martin. He is the author of the wolf in their pockets and terms of service. Now I know him as a friend. He's also a colleague. He is the editor of Bible to life.com and content editor of Moody at Moody publishers. And he is, um, he's really helping us. <laughs> I think we, we should play this and re replay and replay and replay because I do think that this is something that it's with us. Am I right, Chris? I mean, social media is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's, I yeah. have a funny little story that I tell. It's not long, but back when I took my first social media job in 2013, um, I had a very well-meaning, lovely um, friend, a family friend who said to my wife, he said, you know, um, should Chris really be taking a job in social media? I don't know if it, I feel like it's a fad. I don't really know if it's going to be around very long. And, you know, that was back in 2013 and, and here we are. But yeah, you're right. I, I don't think it's going anywhere, whether we like it or not. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's not a fad. As a matter of fact, at the top of the hour, you were talking about some research, an article that you wrote from your newsletter about the top internet sites or social media. tell it tell, say that again i can't remember what it was <laughs> yeah it was, it was just the top 10 websites on the top internet 10, in, that's right i think in early 2023 yeah mm -hmm. yeah and it, youtube it was all like social media mostly 
Yeah, that's right. Social media was the dominant kind of genre. It, it, it was more than search websites, more than shopping, more than everything else. Social media really dominates what we do on the Internet. Which it's it's proof then that most of us are on some social media site and we're all engaged. Now, one of the things that you call social media that I've only now I I'm, I'm not as well versed or researched social media. So this may not be a term that you coined, but I only know it from you. You have called social media the social Internet. And I want to dive into that. Why, why do you call it the and maybe you don't call social media. I, I, t- define social internet. Yeah, so this is where I I get a little like nerdy. So I apologize if uh, <laughs> if any of the fo- if any of the following is a little bit confusing. But it's I think it's an important distinction to separate social media and social internet. Now I also want to say because a lot of people don't think about social internet and social media as different throughout both of my books, I do use social media and social internet pretty interchangeably. So it's, it's more of like an explanation of how I think of these things and how actually it's not just me, how a lot of people think of these things. Uh, But I, I do think the terms can be interchanged. Let me just say, so social internet and social media, I like to explain this best by going back to a guy named Neil Postman. Neil Postman was what's called a media ecologist, uh, back in the, well, for a long time, really the second half of the 20th century, he was at NYU, New York University, uh, and he was a social psychologist focusing on media and how media affects us. He's written a number of books over the years. Uh, Technopoly is one, perhaps his most famous is called Amusing Ourselves to Death, which is one yes. that a lot of people yeah. I know read in college or even high school. I think I read it right after college and then read it again in 2017. And Dr. Postman, writing that book in 1985, spent a ton of time explaining how the television was changing culture. He even wrote a little bit about like the telegraph and and other kind of archaic feeling technologies today and how they're changing how we communicate, how we consume media, how we're entertained. Uh, But I think so much of that book written in 1985 is more relevant today in 2023 than it was even in 1985. And so... in that book and in interviews that he did around the time of the book, he talks about the difference between a technology and a medium. And I think it's really helpful as we think about the internet, even though, again, he was talking about television. A technology and a medium are related, but they're not the same thing. Technology is the sort of like device you're using. So regarding with regard to television, it would be the actual TV, right? That's the technology. Um, With regard to the internet, it's the the internet, you know, all of the websites and the servers that talk to each other, because the internet is really just a bunch of computers around the world talking to each other. Um, That's the technology. The media or the medium is the culture that you create using a particular kind of technology. So if you think about television, the TV that's hanging on your wall or sitting on your TV stand in your living room, that is the technology. But that sitcom you like or that reality TV show or that news program, those are all media, right? It's the culture that's created through that particular piece of technology. When we think about how we engage on the internet, the social internet is the technology. It's the ones and zeros. It's the algorithms and the likes and dislikes and the recommendation. Like when you go to youtube.com and there's like 30 videos and you're like, I don't, I've never seen any of these before, but it's, it's the mathematical equations that are saying, Hey, here's what we think you would like based on other videos that you'd like. That's the social internet, social media is that funny YouTube video or that goofy meme or that one tweet or that Instagram story. 
social media is the culture we create using the internet. And so the reason I differentiate the two is there's we spend so much time and and understandably so we spend so much time talking about social media we talk about watch this kind of content don't watch that read this but don't read that i don't think we spend enough time talking about the impact of the technology of the social internet the actual like going back to the values thing how is facebook's algorithm and how it ranks articles or videos how is that changing what you think is important you know how is facebook determining hey we think these five things are most important how is that affecting what you think is important or you know um if you see a bunch of a video that's going viral on tiktok and you're like oh well that's going viral so tiktok says it's important so that must mean i should think it's important and it's the technology that's kind of shaping uh, it's kind of molding our minds to to its way of thinking that goes to kind of like it's shaping us more than we are shaping it, if you will. And so I think we should be as concerned about the technology and how the sort of ones and zeros and the guts of the internet are shaping how we view the world as much as we are what certain articles or videos or Instagram influencers are doing to how we see the world. So I don't know if that is a bunch of gobbledygook or if that makes no, sense, it's but I not. think they're different. And I think I think I think it's good to think of them as different. No, it's not. Goodness. So if I understand you correctly, um, social media is uh, the random, not the random, it's 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 the Instagram and you're maybe looking at a post, but social internet is after you look at that post, you're going to likely be recommended all sorts of posts similarly. Like it's the effect... Am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, it, it, let's use let's use Instagram. Let's use Instagram. I can use this. Would be a really easy example. So, no. you know, on Instagram, you might look at a post, a, a picture that is social media, right? But the fact that Instagram has decided they want to show you a bunch of reels in between all of your pictures that you see has made you more likely to watch videos than you were before yes. Instagram oh made the decision to put videos in your feed. So, so so Instagram, by virtue of its technology, not that it, you started watching more video, not just because of what the video contained, but because Instagram decided to serve you more video, like the platform changed you more than the content on the platform changed you. And that's the difference. That That's why I'm, it's not, oh, I started watching more reels because they were funny, though that could be true. You also started watching more reels because Instagram started putting them in your feed and they never were in your feed before. That's the technology and that's how it kind of changes what you consume and what you value. Oh, gosh, you're right, Chris. (laughs) I can't (laughs) even begin to tell you how many times I've looked at it. I was like, oh, I'll look at this one picture and then I'm like, watching 15 videos of something random. I'm like, why am I doing this? Oh, my goodness. Let's talk about that um, when we return because I think it's so important and I think we don't we don't think about that. So, so how do we fight that? What do we do? Um, what does that mean for us as, as people who I, I, are using these, these mediums or, or maybe they're using us as it's often said? Um, one other thing that I thought of, you were talking about Neil Postman and how 
he he was onto something in the 80s. There's a lot of me that thinks that your books, Chris, 10 years from now, we are going to be mining them. We're going to be like, oh my goodness, he was <laughs> he was onto something and my life is being affected by it today. And so when we return more with Chris Martin right after this. Welcome back to Living by Faith, where I hope and I pray that we are going to be thinking about what God has to say (laughs) in his word and helping us apply that truth to our lives so that we might, might walk by faith. So with that said, before we go back into some of the the nuts and bolts and the nitty gritty of social media and the social internet. What do you think the effect of social media has on us theologically? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I think this is going to sound maybe kind of um, blunt or, or over the top, but I think um, inside of all of our hearts, well, I, I forget, was it, I always get these guys mixed up because they all they they both have such or they have such famous quotes. Is it Spur, Spurgeon or um, Calvin who said our our hearts are idle factories? I always forget who which one said oh, that. Oh, idle factories. Um, yeah, I think it's Calvin. No. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll we'll go with Calvin. I think it's today. Calvin. <laughs> yeah. Let's say Calvin. Um, I, I don't remember. Uh, but um, but one of those guys that people quote all the time talks about how uh, our hearts are idle factories and. Um, we're just all a bunch of li- we all have a bunch of little idolaters in our in our heart that and 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 that uh, exposes you know that that comes to light in various ways throughout our lives that we I, and I think one of the the chief um, idols we worship is ourselves mm. uh, and you know more than social media or more than our jobs I really you know I, even if you think about it like if you worship your job you're kind of ultimately probably worshiping yourself because you're worshiping your job so you can get more money so that you can worship yourself even better. And so I think one of the chief temptations of man, I would go as far to say, is to worship ourselves. And that obviously has theological implications because we're worshiping ourselves and and wanting to make ourselves as comfortable as possible or make ourselves as uh, wealthy as possible or successful or whatever else, uh, because we we ultimately think we are the center of the world and, and how comfortable or awesome our lives are matters more than glorifying God and sharing him with others and fulfilling the great commission to which we've been called. And so I think the way social media affects us theologically is you could argue that there's outside of perhaps the, the simple mirror, there has never been a piece of technology in the history of the world that so supports the idolatry of the self more than Mm. social media. I don't know that there is. You know what I mean? Um, we we can literally quantify with numbers how important we and others think we are, uh, based on how many likes wow. or retweets yeah. or shares or whatever followers or whatever else. We can quantify our idolatry. We can talk about you know how many worshippers we have, if you will. Um, and so so I think uh, there's there's no better tool, arguably, in the history of mankind to. Um, to evaluate how well we're worshipped and to make ourselves feel more worthy of worship. And so that's that's probably the one of the ways I'm you know and obviously there there are any number of ways that social media can distort our understanding of God. We can start to uh, listen to some wacky YouTubers views on theological or spiritual matters rather than going to God's word or you know there there are 
countless ways that we could talk about for another 30 minutes on ways social media can sort of lead us away from truth and into all manner of untruth. But beyond that, I think very kind of going back to the to how, how the broader technology affects us, I think social media as a technology, the social internet as a technology um, really supports the idea that we are the center of the universe. Wow, and it makes yeah. it really easy to worship ourselves in a way that a lot of other things simply don't. You know, it's interesting because we've already talked about sacred cows and idols, but we were talking about sacred cows and idols as it relates to just media, social media in general. But but some of that driving is likely or it is, I would say, probably the root of it is self. <laughs> and yes, and, exactly. Yes. And so this. Yeah. Theologically, it makes sense that if we're going to especially if we've if our habits have been reshaped, if our minds have been reshaped, if our desires and and what we are, our values have been reshaped, our time, how we spend our time, it's all been reshaped. And it centers around some sort of self-fulfillment or or, or, or wanting to be liked or gosh. Yeah. So that it makes sense. And that's, we want, we don't want to do that. We want to, we want to worship the Lord and we need help to do that. So can we get practical? Because you talked about the social internet and how it's training us to, it might, it training us to do things like watching reels when we, we hadn't planned on it and, or, or it, it influencing us in different ways that we don't even maybe know. So with all the things that we've talked about, we've talked about quite a bit, but is there, are there any practical, practical advice, ways that we can take our faith and put it into action <laughs> to help us? Oh, and before we do that, I do want to um, give that quote. The human heart is a perpetual idol factory, and that was John Calvin. All right, now okay, let's get cool. practical. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad it was one of them, and I, I was sure it was Calvin, but okay, we got that squared away. Um, so, yes. yeah, I think practically, the first thing I would say, and this might sound a little bit out of left field, but I think it makes, it, it'll make sense. Um, just, I think we should all just slow down. I think mm. we should slow down. Um, I think this is what has been most helpful to me in, in sort of metering and, um, and affecting my relationship with social media is if I just try to slow down and be in the moment and be where I am rather than be so interested in what's going on um, with my Chicago Cubs or in, you know, at this world event, you know, halfway across the world or, um, or this major national news story. If I just become a little bit more content to be focused on the immediate in terms of like, geographically physically and less concerned about what's going on out there and consuming as much content as possible um and it's not a, like it's i don't mean slow down as in like you know go away from commitments and stop saying yes to things though that could all certainly be helpful but i don't know how that really affects social media um more so what i mean is like social media addiction if you will or our obsession with social media is so often centered on just like consuming as much content as possible. And what I've, as someone who loves to keep up with the news and loves to follow funny people on Twitter and watch the latest videos that are going viral, because, you know, this is something that's long been a part of my professional life. So this is something that is important to me kind of professionally as well. 
I just kind of have given myself permission to distance myself from the rest of the world and focus a lot more on what's going on in my immediate world. And, you know, I have a three-year-old daughter now, so like that ha- yeah. certainly helps with that. And, you know, just I've, I've found myself more interested in investing in the people immediately around me than focusing on what's that next article I could write that I could then post to Twitter that could then maybe get me enough followers to, you know, make uh, my next writing project easier or get a speaking engagement or something like that. And so anyway, that's something that I would say. And then back to a little bit of what we talked about before, very practically, set time limits on your phone. I'm, I'm sure Android has this. I know iPhone has it. You have the ability to set a limit on the amount of time you spend on social media apps as a category. Do that. Even if you don't feel like you have a problem, do that. And then you'll be like, oh, no, wait, I do have a problem (laughs) because I keep overriding it and saying, no, 15 more minutes, please. Um, So set practical limits. Get help. Like Get someone to come alongside you who can kind of hold you accountable to that. Um, And and, you know, you might not find yourself as to being someone who always wants to post, but maybe you're just one who's always lurking and scrolling. That has been me at various points. Sure. And I think that the time limit being willing to just be more present where you're at um, and, and like going outside, you know, like, like yeah. just go outside. I mean, uh, you know, unless it's 10 degrees in the dead of winter, but you know, like go outside and, and, and try to uh, enjoy your surroundings and just be more present. Um, focusing on, you know, this summer I've spent a lot less time on social media because I've spent a lot more time trying to get hummingbirds to come through my backyard. And finally they oh, are. Yes, and so, yes. uh, so, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so just try to be a little bit more present. You don't need to be a nomad or, or, or like totally delete all your accounts that, I mean, that might be the right answer, but I'm not saying that has to be the right answer. I think, um, just trying to be more present where you're at is generally, you know, what's been most helpful for me, but if you yeah. need more, more strict guardrails, setting those time limits and things like that can be really helpful. That is absolutely helpful. And and I love, I actually love the go outside um, suggestion because it's refreshing if, if, well, I just started, I had a little bit of a sneezing fit, so it can be refreshing. <laughs> right, <laughs> or, right. Or, or, unless uh, yeah. you're allergic to it. But yeah, so I, I just think, um, I think these are just helpful things that tools we can do right now. We can set time limits. We can slow down and look at the immediate these are things that we we can do so chris thank you thank you for giving us practical ways that we can um yeah help work this social media in our lives or work it out of our lives maybe i'd like to thank my guest chris martin for joining me today also thanks to the behind the scenes team at moody radio my producer karen hendren and my engineer courtney young to hear today's program again you'll find it at livingbyfaithradio.org or on the moody radio app you may also connect with me through facebook twitter and instagram kind of a funny thing after that's episode you can connect at trillia newbell living by faith is a production of moody radio and ministry of moody bible institute 